Hello and welcome to Hopeful World. I'm Charlie Wright, founder of Hopeful Traders. This is the social project podcast where we look at inspiring creative projects with social missions at their heart. This week, I spoke to Jess and Matt from the Museum of Homelessness. The Museum of Homelessness is a project that aims to create awareness and conversation and educate people about the issues around homelessness. Hi guys, really good to see you. Thank you for coming in. Why don't you just start off by um, introducing who you, you are and what Museum of Homelessness is. Sure. Uh, thanks for inviting us in, Charlie. My name's Jess Turtle. I'm one of the co-founders of the Museum of Homelessness. The Museum of Homelessness is the first of its kind in the UK, and we're setting it up in order to capture and share the history of homelessness, but also the present day realities of homelessness. And the reason that we're doing that is to make a difference for people who experience in homelessness in, in our current society. And uh, so in terms of your guys' personal background and like where it kind of began, is this something that started off as a personal project? Is it something that was involved in any kind of work you guys had? Well, yeah, I would say that it comes really from Jess's uh, personal background, actually. And it, it actually came about three years ago through really our own personal connections. We worked in kind of culture and the arts, but we'd also been involved in homelessness for a number of years. So the project really is, was about kind of bringing those things together in order to kind of make social change. Sometimes arts organisations aren't the best at doing that, but we see obviously the potential for the museum to make that change. Yeah, it's interesting that like you set out a sort of objective to solve issues with homelessness through kind of creativity. Mm. Is that because you believe that creativity is particularly effective in helping you guys achieve your objectives or is that just kind of what you're used to and know we we believe that that culture and creativity the arts and exploring heritage all have can have transformative effect on people's lives so whilst it's really important to provide kind of what you'd call frontline support so food shelter etc we know and research tells us and we know from our work as well that really important part of the journey out of homelessness quite often is connection with other people um, and getting, you know, learning more about yourself and, and the world as well. And the arts is a really good vehicle for making that happen. So, like, in a sense, so there are sort of two parts of the museum, really. There's the aspect of the public awareness that a museum's really, really good at solving, sorting. And we did an event recently at the Tate where we welcomed over 1,500 people all thinking and talking about the issues related to homelessness. But the other side of what we do is that kind of practical support. And someone who is homeless needs a whole range of different things on their journey out of homelessness. It might be tenancy support, it might, you know, health services, but it also might be arts and creativity and just to sort of outline some of the ways in which arts and creativity can make a real difference to people's lives. Mm. You touched there on the event at the Tate Exchange this year. Why don't you just tell me a little bit about how that came about and what kind of what kind of success you felt like it had? What were there any like kind of surprising re- responses to it? So um, it first came about. We were offered the Museum of Homelessness was offered a space on the fifth floor as a sort of takeover as part of the Tate, Tate Exchange program, which aims to open up the museum to people who wouldn't normally attend or have a chance to put stuff on there and when we were offered that space our we've got a core group of people who make all the decisions about what the museum's going to do creatively strategically and within that group we have a real healthy mix of people who have experience of homelessness people who have experience of putting on cultural stuff and when we t- we went upstairs into the fifth floor with the group and said what we're going to do with this and they said no question that we should put on a weekend which 
raised awareness of what people are facing today, people experiencing homelessness, the kind of social challenges, the impact of austerity, politics. So we decided to do this sort of campaign it's like a campaign in a gallery space, really, with lots of different elements to it, and we called it State of the Nation. And our aim with it was to was really to raise awareness with people who wouldn't normally come across these types of issues. Also to bring together people who wouldn't normally meet and speak, so people ex- who are currently rough sleeping in the same room as families who are out at Tate just on a Saturday. And it was really successful in that we did have those connections all weekend, it was absolutely buzzing. There was a really good atmosphere and you could really tell that people were developing their understanding of of what's going on and making these new connections. Mm, yeah, It's interesting there you kind of touch on just even the name, State of the Nation, like it's obviously, it is a kind of a national issue. Mm. Where do you see the kind of role of sort of more grassroots movements or like smaller kind of community groups in a, either pushing uh, the government to make change or do you see it more as like uh, counteracting the lack of government action? That question is really interesting and something we're discussing internally at the moment because there's a, a huge increase in visible homelessness, so in, in rough sleeping, there's been this increase in grassroots responses, so people going out and, uh, and offering people food and we're seeing uh, a lot of that. And then on a policy level, there's a backlash against that as well. I don't know if you're aware, Charlie, but there, um, there's been a few articles recently that kind of critique that um, response by ordinary people. Uh, to support others in society. The Museum Homelessness kind of is in an interesting position because it sits outside of all that. And although it is a a voluntary community organisation itself, it's also outside of the the homelessness sector, as we would call it. But I suppose for me personally, uh, our archive tells the story of of decades of grassroots responses to Mm. homelessness and the amazing things that have come out of that and the inspirational men and women, ordinary men and women, often people who have themselves experienced homelessness who decide to do something about it. And that is a set of stories that we want to share as well and something that we think is really, really important. Is there any like grassroots movements that you guys have ever been a part of like before doing this? We're connected to like a number of different kind of grassroots campaigns and groups, groups like Focus E15, housing activists, for example, Greater Action uh, in Manchester. We are linked to a number of LGBT groups as well who work a little bit around homelessness and we're all inspired by the work they do. And we've all kind of got uh, different roles to play. The, the One of the main things I think the museum can do is just to, you know, what Jess mentioned in regards to kind of help helping people to remember some of the grassroots action that's already happened particularly the sector the homelessness sector is quite good at forgetting all of that so helping us to remember is really really important but you know you know if if state of the nation could be something that people look back on and said or hang on, you know, this was a moment where people actually collectively took stock about the, you know, escalate, you know, years of escalating homelessness. One thing among many, for example, another thing this year has been the homelessness reduction bill mm-hmm. that went through Parliament that has cross-party support from a private members bill. It's pretty rare that that happens. Mm-hmm. It's all part of like a tapestry of interventions and thinking that people are doing around homelessness. And you know, if we're playing one small part of that, we hope that we're kind of playing a role. And there are, as I mentioned, there are lots of groups all inputting into that. And Focus E15 are a good example of that that campaign that they started three years ago continues to have a ripple effect and inspire a lot of other groups Mm, yeah for sure I mean it's interesting you touched on how there's even not even sometimes just a a lack of support from legislation but like 
legislation that is anti people going out and supporting their community because in another episode I did an interview with Scarlett Montanaro from Cracker Cider and also another organization you know clothing the homeless they've had they've been told by councils before that what they're doing by going and supplying homeless people on the street with clothing is like enabling homelessness have you guys ever come up against any of that kind of like anti I don't know what you'd even call it but we uh, so with with another hat on. We're involved with the Simon community, which mm. is um, which has been running the soup run for since nineteen sixty five in Westminster, and there there have been difficulties kind of over the decades and, and relatively recently where the soup run has been criticised as as drawing rough sleepers into the area. So it, it, it's a really contentious street street outreach services like that can be a really contentious space where there's a lot of there can be a lot of arguments and different positions but i don't i think personally i think it's not correct that uh soup runs would create homelessness they are addressing and supporting people who are experiencing street homelessness so yeah i think it that's not useful i think that you know agencies charities grassroots movements really need to just think about how they can work together because ultimately it's the people experiencing homelessness that everyone's trying to support and benefit so we've got to think about the ways that we can do that yeah for sure what about just like other challenges jess you still have a job and you do this on the side and matt has just taken the brave step of transitioning onto full-time on museum of homelessness before you made that transition like how was it kind of juggling this kind of social project with other things going on in your life, like career, et cetera, stuff like that? Uh, it's, always been, it's always been presented challenges and obstacles. And I think the fact that we produced such a large event in the tape was the main driver for me having to leave my paid employment and, and take it on. But it's a privilege to do the work and it's an honour. And I'm very lucky. So, yeah, I've, you know, there's been a lot of personal sacrifices to, to kind of stay, to stay in London at a time when rents are so high yeah. uh, as well. It's very, very difficult. So we've had to move house and stuff. But turn not to dwell on those things, just sort of see, take every day as it comes and see these things as a, a major opportunity to make change. And that's what makes it all worthwhile. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely a juggling act, particularly for you at the moment, Jess. Yeah. So I've got sort of three, three jobs, yeah. only one of which, part time one is paid. But that's fine. We we really are in it for just, we really want to make it happen. We're so driven to make it happen. So it also involves kind of working evenings and weekends and that the last three years it's kind of, it's taken over everything, but we wouldn't have it any other way. We've had the privilege of meeting the most amazing range of people that that is absolutely an honour to meet and to work with um, and to gather these like-minded people around us and and it's starting to feel now like the Museum of Homelessness is no longer running off our kitchen table. It's becoming, you know, a little bit of a movement and that is just massively exciting, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we've been so well supported by people. Um, I mean, we are we think we think of ourselves as a community, a community of people, many of whom have been homeless, experiencing homelessness, some of whom haven't. And now it's got to the point where, you know, we've been supported in all sorts of different ways and people are really taking elements of the museum forward. And that wasn't happening like three years ago when it was just an idea. So that's helped kind of overcome some of the challenges, particularly in the last few months when we've been doing stuff like the Tate um, and State of the Nation. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean... I guess you have, like, I'm sure there are moments, I know I personally am the same, like, there are times I'm like, this is, like, too much. I don't know if I can, like, keep this maintainer or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then there are those great moments where you're like, ah, oh, all that 
crap like shrinks into obscurity like and i imagine like state of the nation must have been one of those moments i mean are there any other ones where you've really felt like that kind of big boost and like all that just like scrabbling into the evening to get stuff done is kind of really worth it i would say i'd have to say uh i think when we got our charities number for example that was a you know i mean it's not particularly it's not the most no, glitzy it's, thing but it's, it's a big deal a moment, moment of validation you know years worth of work to kind of do that it feels like you're moving in the right direction yeah obviously state of the nation was was really really massive we did a bigger launch event for kathy come home uh, in november of last year where we actually got an audience of people in the room yeah. um many of whom were currently you know currently homeless yeah. and you know passionate about the issues you know denigrating the fact that we have food banks and food banks food banks are seen as normal nowadays you know that was a real amazing thing for us because you know we actually felt you know we could actually convince a room you know room full of people nearly 100 people to come along and be part of that so every step of the way there's been something some real another real high point is when we just assembled our first group of volunteers about a year ago who you know were he said you know I'm interested who were saying I'm interested in this project because it has a potential for this kind of oh, yeah I've got some ah uh, you've thought of something yeah <laughs> so I've probably got three so one um, in the really early days when it was just an idea and we were just going out and talking to people and we were, you know and testing the water seeing if people wanted it because honestly if people said it was rubbish we would have just jacked it in mm. um, but we were we were with uh, one of our trustees I remember in the street and this guy stopped us and he said oh Museum of Homelessness hire we'd met him a couple of weeks ago somewhere and he said oh I've been thinking about it and I just want to thank you because I feel socially acknowledged for the first time in my life this is a guy who had been on he's in his 60s and he'd always been um, either rough sleeping or living in squats or in a van or whatever and it was that phrase socially acknowledged for the first time in my life and afterwards our trustee thought wow Another standout moment is probably when we were in Glasgow and we had gone to meet a charity, but we we always get to know people before we ask if they want to give an object or a story to the museum. So we thought it was the initial meeting to meet some people and explain about the museum. And as we were giving the presentation, five guys sort of crept in the door and they'd all brought with them objects that they thought were really precious and they wanted to have them in 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 the Tate show. And that, for me, was absolutely amazing. We had to set up a ramshackle interview space in their kitchen and, and quickly do the interviews. We hadn't expected it. That was a very moving, um, very moving moment, which, again, made me think it is worth doing. Yeah. It does matter. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I don't know, I, I find there's, like, the big moments and stuff, and those are great. But, yeah, like you say, there are some very small personal things which can be really amazing. And, yeah, like, I mean... We're not like a, we're registered as a private company. So it's not nearly the same as getting registered as a charity. Even just getting that was like, oh, pretty cool, just because it all gets really real. Yeah. And then, you know, there, there was like, for me, there was a point last year where we'd been accruing all the donations from the sales of David Toby's clothing, who you guys have worked with. And we summed it all up and gave it over to the Pillion Trust all as one lump sum. And I don't think they would, I don't think David or they were just expecting how much it was. It was at a time when, they were just open. They were just trying to fund their winter crash pad for young people, and it just completely like changed how they could do that. And yeah, and those moments are awesome. But even just working with David and the uh, Ray and Zin and Naomi, all those little moments um, 
where would I bring them and show them the clothes for the first time, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but then it's just like, it's awesome. And even when I see it without them, I'm just like, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. I mean, just another personal reflection me on David, actually. Um, you know, I was sat in a room with him at a Tate press conference, you know, and David, uh, you know, he's not had a mainstream arts education. He's just turned his life around through his art and a few years ago you know he was homeless and in a really difficult position and he sat in his press conference and Nicholas Sorota who's the longtime director of Tate Modern now chairman of the Arts Council is quoting him by name talking about his art talking about a soldier story and you know it's a pretty it's a pretty it's a watershed moment for him yeah. and I had the honor of being in the room with him when that happened you know yeah he was email he sent me an email the day before saying he was you know apprehensive about even going to the press conference because Nick it was in the room and he's you know it's such an inspiration to David so you know the fact that he was quoted by name and everything and is just you know for the museum it's really gratifying yeah for sure I mean that's the thing like it might not even be a personal experience for you sometimes like it rubs off like that, that exact experience David has spoken to me about on numerous occasions and I, I was like on I, to be honest I was like I don't know who Nick Sorota is but like you know he he just like told me about it with this like boyish enthusiasm and it was like met his hero and like you know, it was nothing to do with me. He's gone out and achieved that on his, you know, mm. off his own back. It's nothing to do with hopeful traders, but I was still just like really stoked for him, you know. Mm. Just going to take a pause for a second there because uh, this is where most podcasts, I guess, would have a sponsor. We don't have a sponsor. It just It's just a hopeful traders thing. And so I'm just going to take this opportunity to remind everyone that we will be having a Kickstarter campaign launching on the 28th of July. Go to hopefultraders.com to find out more about that. Even better, you can subscribe to our notebook emails, which is also contains news about Hopeful Traders and other inspiring creative projects. Thanks. So at this point, you don't have like a permanent space or anything. You know, what I've read about you guys, that was kind of all kind of part of the objective was to change maybe the idea of what a museum could be. Do you want to just elaborate on that maybe a little bit? Yeah, sure. So we uh, we both come from a museum background professionally, although we've got personal links to homelessness. So it was combining those two things really. And what we wanted to change about the idea of a museum is how they get created. So museums are normally created by uh, academics or you know professional experts, and they're quite often bound up with power structures. Museums actually in the UK were representative of the height of uh, empire. So many museums in the museums profession, we would say, have guilty collections. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the idea of a museum is about classifying, uh, looking, viewing, storing things and um, people coming and looking and going away again. We wanted to make a museum that was created by people with lived experience that didn't require people to be academic, to uh, tell the stories. And that broke down all of the conventions of what a museum is. It's sort of like a museum of homelessness that wasn't created by people with lived experience would be a voyeuristic, horrible (laughs) space. And we wanted it to be a space of where people get new knowledge, but they they do things, they learn new things. They're not just coming and looking and going away. So that that was probably the difference, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think if you, you know, you walk into a museum and it could be quite an alienating place if you think about it, you know, there's a 
you know, code of manners for, to go around and look, be quiet. They're often quite intimidating buildings as well, very big, spacious, you know, and sometimes people think, you know, not necessarily for me, but the flip side of it is a museum, you know, at a time when public distrust in politicians is very high and, you know, it's same with the media and things are really changing. Museums retain a status of being trusted by the public and statistics and surveys kind of show that. So there is this potential for the museum for power to be rechanneled and for, you know, to be relevant to people because their safe spaces are often you know, nice spaces and they can play a much more active role. So that's what some of the thinking behind the museum and we could never have created it in the traditional way at all, not a museum of homelessness, that wouldn't be right. And so, the you know, the fact that all of our objects that we were showing at Tate, for example, uh, were donated by people who are experiencing homelessness, who are homeless, who have, who have in the past or who work in there, is the museum's not making the decision to show those objects, it's actually those people and we're just sort of the platform for it really. Um, one of the visitors, um, well, one of my favourite memories of Tate is a, a young woman came up to me and she said, she, she said, oh, my God, this this is amazing. I absolutely love this. The last exhibition I went to, it was just uh, dead paintings by dead white men on the wall. And she looked around and she was like, this is real. Mm. This means something. And she was so excited to be in that space. Uh, so that's what we're trying to create. Yeah. And so where do you kind of see... You know, at this point, you've just had the massive Tate show. And where do you kind of see Museum of Homelessness going from here? Have you got some stuff in the pipeline or? So we are currently doing a, a series of events. The the work that we developed at Tate with the object storytelling, we're taking that into day centre and hostel settings for the next few weeks, just testing it out there. We've done two of those in the last couple of weeks. and That's been really successful so far. We are also taking the whole shebang along with David's work as well, up to Tate Liverpool in January, and that will round off that bit of the programme. And we're also carving out a little bit of space to to think about the next steps. One of the big questions we've got to work out is whether we do get a permanent space in a building or not. At the moment, we're veering towards aiming for that, aren't we? It's very important that to have a space to welcome people into and also like to scale up the potential of the museum to support people as well. So it's not just a kind of... It's not just about events and, and exhibitions and so forth. There's, there's something you know bigger happening as well in terms of people who are involved in the museum. So we're having that debate at the moment. You know, we've spent three years kind of building it up from an idea into something which has an office and programs and people involved and volunteers. What's the next step? So carving that space to think is really important for us. Well, it all sounds like really exciting stuff, and I really look forward to kind of seeing where everything goes with that thank you so much for coming in it's been really great chatting to you guys thank you Charlie thanks Charlie for inviting us Thank you so much to Jess and Matt for coming and speaking about that awesome project. I really urge you guys to go and kind of follow them on their social media pages, etc. Go and check their website out, museumofhomelessness.org. You'll find out about their past work and upcoming events, etc. Uh, Hopeful Traders is going to be launching our Kickstarter campaign on the 28th of July. Just don't forget about that one, guys, please. Um, 
We will be having an event in London for anyone in the area. It will be at the Canvas Cafe on Brick Lane. Go on our website, hopefultrainers.com. You'll find out all the kind of details about the Kickstarter and the event. It's a free event, so register for a ticket and you will get a free drink as well. Hopefully see you guys there. Uh, this week we were produced by Lower Street and music is by Revoca Gentle. <laughs>